Uh, if you want to stand and we'll read a couple verses and then we'll get started. Um, but preacher was preaching here through Matthew 27 on Easter Sunday and he stopped in, I believe, verse 35. And he says in verse 35, And they crucified him and parted his garments and casting lots that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet. They parted my garments among them and upon my vesture did they cast lots. And verse 36 is where he, he stopped in 35 and 36 is what caught my eye. It says, And sitting down they watched him there. Sitting down, they watched him there. Brother Donnie, would you please pray? Amen. Um, I want to encourage you to get here to hear the, the study Brother Sam's doing on the, on the Word. Um, Brother Sam has a unique ability to break down things into very small parts and give you all of the tiniest details on everything. Um, I am very good at the big picture, and I am terrible with the details. And Brother Sam, I don't know about the big picture, but he's great with the details. Um, like, he doesn't miss little things, and it's a blessing. And that's, I see that in all of his preaching. I mean, if you, in most of his messages, he gets down, like, into the minutia of things where stuff really matters, and... I'm trying to be better that way. Um, but I would encourage you, if you can't be here for when he's teaching that, get the CDs and listen to it, because he does such a great job of breaking those things down. Um, and I'm looking forward to what you got coming up on that, Brother Sam. The, uh, but anyway, watching, back to Matthew 27. Um, I got, I, that verse struck me on that Sunday when preacher was preaching about Jesus. And I, I'm sitting here thinking about, here's our Lord and he's on the cross, and he's suffering in agony, and some people decide to sit down and watch that. And I'm thinking to myself, why would you sit down and watch that event? What is it about that? And I got to think about us in our Christian lives, and you know, on the shallow surface, you know, whenever you hear somebody talk about watching, they always preach against watching TV and watching internet videos and watching things that you have no business watching. But as I began to read through the Bible, I, I, I realized that there's so much more to what the Bible has to say about watching than just something superficial as what you watch on TV. And the Bible defines watching as an active event in a Christian's life. It is not a passive activity. Watching TV is a passive activity. You sit down and you mindlessly click through channels or internet channels or YouTube videos, or whatever you're clicking through to find something to entertain you for a moment. That's a passive activity. From what I understand of the Bible, there's nothing passive about the Christian life. Every part of the Christian life is active. Even when you're resting, it is an active part of your life. When you actually sit down to rest, and watching TV is not rest, and I'm not going to get into all the science of that, but watching TV is not rest because it does not take your body into a restful state. You still have hormone releases and you still have all these other things going on in your body that do not allow your body to relax. But when you lay down to sleep, believe it or not, there's a whole lot of activity occurring when you're sleeping. Your body gets a chance to go into recovery mode to take care of itself, to help alleviate some of the stress that you've dealt with throughout the entire day. So as a Christian, every part of our life is an active part of our life. And watching, what I want to show you tonight is, 
is watching is an active part of your Christian life. It is something that you should be watching. You should watch how you watch. And I want to show you some things about what the Bible says about the right kind of watching and what he says about the wrong kind of watching. But to kind of set this up, I want to show you a couple verses to show you where I'm going tonight. Turn over to Psalms chapter 130. Psalms chapter 130. We're going to be doing a little bit of flipping tonight. I mean, Brother Sam was just preaching about the Word, so we might as well let the Word speak for itself, right? We don't need my opinion. Heavens, no, you don't need that. Psalms 130 in verse number 5, it says, I wait for the Lord, my soul doth wait, and in his word do I hope. My soul waiteth for the Lord more than they that watch for the morning. I say more than they that watch for the morning. You know who watches for the morning? A soldier on duty. A soldier's job is to watch. He's, he's to pay attention, to watch out for the enemy, to see what's going on. And David's saying, my soul's waiting for the Lord more than a soldier on duty. I, I, am, I am watching for the Lord's return more than a soldier on duty. Turn over to Psalms chapter 141, just a couple of pages. Psalms 141, verse number 1 says, Lord, I cry unto thee, make haste unto me, give ear unto my voice when I cry unto thee. Let my prayer be set before thee as incense, and the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. Set a watch, O Lord, before my mouth, and keep the door of my lips. David's asking the Lord to do something actively in setting a watch over his lips. He's asking God to participate in, in what David says. He's asking God to do something. So clearly that watch is a definition of an activity. Turn over to Proverbs chapter 8. Proverbs chapter 8. I know I'm moving really quick, and I'll settle down in a minute. I think the caffeine just kicked in, so we'll slow down here in a second. Proverbs 8 and verse number 34 says, Blessed is the man that heareth me, watching daily at my gates, waiting at the post of my doors. So clearly there's somebody that is blessed because he's hearing and he's watching and he's waiting. So watching is an activity. You know, I got to thinking about this. I, I like to hunt. If you know me at all, you know I like to hunt. Um... And it's crazy to me that when you deer hunt, it's pretty much a still activity. It's not like going out west and hunting elk or mule deer where you're actively hiking up and down the mountains, you're getting to move. Here in the south, we deer hunt and we do it from a deer stand. And so you literally, you walk out into the woods, you, you know, before you get out there, you take a shower, you get all the scent off of you as much as you can, you put on camo clothes because apparently... A deer thinks you look like a tree, um, even though they're colorblind, so it doesn't really matter what color you wear, um, as long as it doesn't have ultraviolet light in it, and I can get all the science of that, but we don't have time for that right now. But you get up there, and you get into, the, into the, everything you can to not sweat as you get into the deer stand, and then, you, and then you sit down, and you sit, and you sit, and you sit. And if you're a good hunter, you sit all day long. Most hunters get out of the stand after an hour or two because you know why? They're tired of watching. They're tired of watching the same thing over again, over again, over again. I mean, how long can you sit in a tree and stare at the tree in front of you and watch the squirrel go up and down the tree? I mean, after a little while, you just want to shoot the squirrel. Because he stepped on a branch and you thought it was a buck coming in. And he ran over here and scurried some leaves up and you thought it was another deer coming in from this side. And it, what does it do? It jacks you up emotionally, you're, you get a dopamine release, you get a cortisol shot, whatever you want to call it, 
talk to some doctor and get all the science on that. But you get jacked up in your emotions. You want it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. And you tense up and you get, oh gosh, because I'm watching. I'm watching for that deer to walk out so that I can take the shot and be able to make the shot. Your heart rate gets up and you're all excited and, the, and your emotions let down. And you, you get this high and low and high and low and high and low by the armadillo, by the possum, by the raccoon, by the squirrel, and you just hope that you're awake when the deer walks out because you've been high and low so many times listening to all this activity in the woods while you're watching. And then you don't get a deer, but all you've done is sat for three or four hours. You come back to the house, you're hungry, and you want a nap. And you're like, why do I want a nap? All I've been doing is sitting and watching. Because watching's an activity. Watching takes effort. Watching is not just sit in the recliner and let the world pass you by. Watching is you intently looking for something, longing for something, knowing that there's an expectation of an enemy out there on the forefront. Turn over to Mark chapter 14. Mark chapter 14. You know, I, I got to thinking about this. I've been watching some stuff on the World War II again here lately. And doing a little bit of reading and going back through that. And I know we like to say that war is God's judgment on sin. And that's a great statement. It's, you can preach that, whatever you want to say about it. But the reality of it is that the God of this world is the devil. And... The devil is not interested in providing peace to any of humanity whatsoever. And war, he has no thought for the care. And what struck me about this is these, these two men were discussing the activities and the events of World War II and how to help save as many men's lives as they possibly could. So that whatever operation they had, because they knew they had to go to battle, they knew they had to go to war, they knew they had to fight the Germans, but what can we do to prevent the greatest loss of life for our people? And as I got to think about that, we don't, it is not innate for me to want to shoot Brother Val. But we make it easy by making them an enemy and wanting to shoot them and knock them down. Well, all the devil's interested in doing is making us all enemies all the time and everybody shooting each other down. The devil could care less tomorrow if all the world ceased to exist and he was the only one left because that's all he cares about is creating carnage and chaos. And in our Christian lives, we have to be careful what we're watching. And so look here in Mark chapter 14 and then we'll turn one more place. Um, and I'm in Matthew 15. But we have an enemy... The Bible says that he's a roaring lion seeking, he's watching for something, whom he may devour. And all he's interested in doing is devouring. He's not interested in saving anything. And what he wants you and I to do is get our eyes off and watch the wrong thing. But look here in Mark chapter 14. I believe, Miss Pat, these would be words in red in your Bible. But it says in verse 32, Mark 14, 32, And they came to a place which was named Gethsemane, and he saith to his disciples, Sit ye here while I, sh while I shall pray. And he taketh with him Peter, James, and John, and began to be sore amazed and to be very heavy. 
And he saith unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful unto death. Tarry ye here and watch. Like they should be having some activity there. Look at verse 35. And he went forward a little and fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass him. And he said, and he said Abba, Father, all things are possible unto thee. Take away this cup from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what thou wilt. And he cometh and findeth him sleeping and saith unto Peter, Simon, sleepest thou? Couldst thou not watch one hour? Watch ye and pray, lest ye enter into temptation. The spirit truly is ready, but the flesh is weak. Turn over to Lamentations chapter 4. Lamentations chapter 4, and I'll, I'll get into the message. But what I want you to see there is the Lord's calling on you and I to watch. And the devil is a perfect counterfeit for the Lord. Amen? That means not does he not want you to watch, but he wants you and I to watch the wrong things. He wants us to get our eyes focused in the wrong direction. Lamentations chapter 4, and look in verse number 17. As for us, our eyes as yet failed for our vain help. In our watching, we have watched for a nation that could not save us. Now, I know where this fits dispensationally and doctrinally, and I know all the Second Advent and stuff that has to go. But folks, Brother Sam said it during Bible study, we have begun to watch for a nation that can't save us. Jesus Christ is our only salvation. He is the only thing that is going to get us out of this life. The United States of America is not going to save us. Listen, I love our country. I thank God for the men and women that protect our country and serve our country. I pray for our leaders. Romans 13 tells us we should pray for those in power over us. 100% agree with that. But, but the United States of America is not where my help comes from. My help comes from the Lord Jesus Christ. And if He guides our nation, then our nation will be in the right place. The problem is He's not guiding our nation. And too many Christians are relying on who's in office as to protect them and put their security in. They're hoping that their elected official will keep the money in their pocket and allow them to enjoy the comfort that they have enjoyed for thus far in, this, in their life. There is nothing in the Bible that says you and I come out of this unscathed. There is nothing in this Bible that says that America doesn't completely fall apart and it doesn't completely go the hundred and... 20 million percent to the devil, and that we aren't stuck here being persecuted for standing on the Word of God and preaching the Word of God. We have no assurance of that. And the only way you and I are going to escape this life is by putting our trust in Jesus Christ, by putting our faith in Him. And the only way we're going to wind up with a reward at the judgment seat of Christ is not by helping America, but it's by helping Jesus Christ. It's by serving Him in the capacity He calls for us to serve for. But too many Christians are, are spent putting their security in the wrong place. I call it the worried watch. You're worried about the stock market. You're worried about cryptocurrency. You're worried about Ukraine. You're worried about you know, where the food's going to come from. You're worried about all the things that you have no control over whatsoever. None of us in here have deep enough pockets to control Wall Street. We could put all of our money together and none of us have deep enough pockets to control Wall Street. I mean, it, it amazes me. I had a, a phone call from a guy just yesterday Excuse me, they're not in Jacksonville at all. They're coming to Jacksonville to buy 75 houses that cost a minimum of $300,000. That's $21 million they're looking to invest in Duval County 
and they are the tiniest little fish in a really big pond. I know guys in this city that own 20 and 30,000 homes across the state of Florida. We're not turning the tide. We're not changing the way this ship is going. Do not put your faith in what you have in your bank account. Because there are too many people in history that have put faith in their bank account and next day, next thing they know, they woke up and the bank was gone. Have you seen what's happening with Vistar? They can't even figure out how to help you do online bill pay right now. It's a train wreck. You know what you're looking at? A run on the bank happening because they can't get their bill pay system fi figured out right. If you put your faith in the bank, the bank's going to fail you. Oh, well, the FDIC will, the FDIC will cover you to a certain amount and then, you're, then it's all lost anyway. You're putting, we're putting our faith in the wrong place. Our faith needs to be, you're, you're worrying about the wrong things. We, all the devil wants us to do is worry about stuff we can't control. What effect do any of us in here have on the ability to change what's happening between Zelensky and Putin? None. You know what I can do? I can pray for Brother Paul Hamilton and Brother Vanya and the other missionaries that are over there and go, God, give them some fruit for their labor and God, allow them to continue to get the word out and God, please allow them to continue to see some fruit and continue to allow them to, to be able to see some people saved and God, pray you send the right people their way that would continue to allow them to do that. That's it. And let it go. I can't control what those two guys do. I can't control if that guy's going to push a button. If he pushes a button, guess what? If it happens to hit Jacksonville... We're in heaven. It don't get any better than that. But too many people are watching for the wrong thing. They're, they're, they have a worried watch. We live in, a, we live in a, a society today where people just are in like panic mode all the time. I mean, they're just uptight. Well, well, I mean, what about so-and-so? What about this? I don't know. I know that if I don't wake up tomorrow, I'll be in heaven. And I know if I do wake up tomorrow, I'm going to work. I mean, I don't know what else to tell you. I'm, I'm, I'm headed to the office, and I've got a checklist of things to do. I probably won't get them all done, but I'm going to do what I can do tomorrow and let Friday take care of itself. But a worried watch is not the way to go. Turn over to 1 Samuel chapter 4. 1 Samuel chapter 4. First Samuel 4 in verse 13. Now this is the story of when the ark is taken by the Philistines. And look at, look at verse 13. It says, and, lo, he came, and when he came, lo, Eli sat upon a seat by the wayside watching, for his heart trembled for the ark of God. And when the man came into the city and told it, all the city cried out. And when Eli heard the noise of crying, he said, what meaneth the noise of this tumult? And the man came in hastily and told Eli. Now Eli was ninety and eight years old, and his eyes were dim, and he could not see. And the man said unto Eli, I am he that came out of the army and fled the day out of the army. And he said, What is this done, my son? And the messenger answered and said, Israel has fled before the Philistines, and there have, come, there have been a great slaughter among the people. And thy two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, are dead, and the ark is taken. And it came to pass when he made a mention of the ark of God that he fell from off his seat backward by the side of the gate and he broke his neck and he died for he was an old man and heavy. And he had judged Israel for 40 years. It says he sat by the wayside watching. Israel's getting ready to go, to bat go into battle. Eli's been the priest for 40 years and the people of Israel know they need the ark of God if they're going to win the battle. And they presumptuously 
presumptuously race into the temple, snatch the ark out from underneath his, their father, Hophni and Phinehas, which you know anything about them, they're two wicked individuals. But they snatch the ark out as though they're going to go bring God down, and their daddy just sits there and watches them do it. Let's them take the most holy thing in Israel out of the temple, and he just sits there and watches them and lets it go by. There's too many Christians today that sit by the wayside watching the devil carry the thing most holy, which is their fellowship with Jesus Christ, out of the temple of their heart and take it out and give it to the Philistines. Too many times in our Christian lives, we sit by the wayside watching instead of getting, having an active part and going, you know what? You're not going to do that. You're not going to take that from me. That, that doesn't belong to you. You don't have a right to that. God gave that to me, and I'm the protector of that, and I'm the overseer of that. You know, mom and dad, we're the overseer of our children, and too many times we let our children drive the spiritual bus in our house. Too many times, well, it's just, I just don't want to read the Bible. It's just not any fun. It doesn't start out fun. But a lot of things don't start out fun. I didn't start out like in school, but I do now. I wish I could go back to school. Now I'm too old to go back to school. They won't have me. But we let our kids dictate what we do spiritually. I, I, I mean, I remember growing up, these two kids came to our youth group, and I didn't find this out till years later, but I'm like, why did y'all come to the youth group? They were Methodists, and they came to a Southern Baptist church to come to the youth group. And I'm like, why did y'all leave the Methodist church to come here? Well, our daughters, y'all had a really good youth program, and we left where we were so your, our daughters could be a part of your youth program. I'm like, but you don't believe like we believe. Well, I know that, but we didn't figure that that would have a real big effect on us, and, but we wanted our daughters to be around other Christian kids, so we just found a place with really good Christian kids and brought our kids there. I'm sorry, I got three wonderful kids, but they're not driving the spiritual bus in my house. Like, just because Celebration has ping pong or South Point has something else or First Baptist has something else, that my kids ain't dictating where we go to church in my house. Ain't happening, ain't, I don't care what they do. Now, they get 18 and want to go somewhere else. That's their business between them and God. But as long as they're in my house, we're coming to 3857 Hartley Road. But too many times, well, you know, so-and-so sick this morning. I, I, stay home. Well, I'll just stay here. We can watch it online. It'll be okay. When I was a kid, we didn't have the ability to watch it online. And if I, if I got up with a bellyache because I didn't want to go to sit, go to church, my dad would go, throw up and prove it. <laughs> and if I was dumb enough to go make myself throw up, he'd go, now don't you feel better, let's go to church. <laughs> because my dad taught me that if he said we were going to church, we were going to church. If the preacher was washing windows on Friday night, we were filling the pew and watching the preacher wash the windows. We were going to be there. If my father and mother said, we're going to church, we're going to church. And too often times, the men, are, the, the men in our Bible-believing communities are not driving the spiritual bus in our home. The moms are the ones leading Bible study with the kids because the dads aren't around. That shouldn't be that way. Dad, you need to step up and take your kids and teach your kids the Bible. Your kids should come to you with Bible questions, and you should do the best you can to answer them. If you don't, go study the Bible a little bit more so that you can do a better job answering them. But too often times, it's just easier to sit by the wayside. Well, preacher will cover that one day. I mean, Brother Sam will hit that in his Sunday school class one day. Why would you wait? What if your kid doesn't make it to Brother Sam's Sunday school class? 
There's kids that never made it to his class because mom and dad left the church. And that kid never got a question answered that mom and dad could have answered them for him. Not because the kid died, but because somebody left the church and so they left now. Or that kid met a girl or that kid met a boy and they're going to church with them now because, you know, well, at least they're in church. Sorry, I don't care what knothead comes around for my daughters. If he wants to be around, then come to church here. They don't need to go wherever that is, you know, well, I mean, I know so-and-so has beach day, so we're going to go to the church and then go to the beach. Over my blessed assurance. <laughs> but you have people that just get out because they don't want to. You have people who sit by the wayside because they're tired. And there's nothing wrong with being tired in the Christian life. You should be able to be tired sometimes. It's okay to rest. But it's not okay to just get out. And then you have other people that sit by the wayside watching because they made a mistake and they took themselves out of the battle and go, well, God can never use me. No, you're not done until God gives you your last breath. You have every opportunity in your life to continue walking with Him no matter how bad you mess up. Now, 100% agree, you may not get back to the same place you once were, but that does not mean you cannot serve God in the place you are now. You still have the ability to be used by God right where you are if you will just submit to Him and allow Him to have the control of your life. But too many people go, well, I've done blah, 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 and they have a list and, you know, it, it just, you know, I, I, I'm out of it. I mean, I can't do it anymore. Why? Did, did God all of a sudden stop forgiving that sin? Did all of a sudden He go, I'm, I can't forgive you anymore. I, my blood ran out. Last time I checked, the blood don't run out and I can get forgiveness anytime I want. And you know what? I may not get to where I thought I could get to or where God had planned for me, but it doesn't mean there's not another path. Last time I checked, my path has diverged a whole bunch of different times and eventually that path still going to lead out to Jesus Christ at the very end of it. Now, I want to go meeting Him head on instead of being drugged by my feet. But Lord willing, I'm going to go face on. And I may not get what I could have had, but I can still get what I can from this point forward. And too many Christians go, well, I've just lost it all, so I'm just going to quit trying. I mean, that's, that's like, a, it's like a kid who can't win a game, so he just quits playing the game. You don't let your kids quit playing just because they can't win. Now, I, you may think me a bad dad, but I don't ever let my kids just win. If you're going to win, you're going to earn it. I'm going to crush you because I can crush you. And... They will earn, when they win, they will know they've earned the win. And then when they want to celebrate and make fun of daddy, I let them celebrate and make fun of daddy for a little bit. Because I know what it took for them to learn the game to be able to win. Now, if they cheat, I'll knock them over the head. But I want them to know that it takes effort to win. We have come to this place in our society where we think everybody's a winner. We've come to this place where we feel like nobody should ever be afraid. No, fear is a good thing. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. We've come as, well, I, I, didn't feel, I didn't feel safe there. You should never feel safe in this life. Because you, the only thing you should feel safe in is your eternal security in Jesus Christ if you're saved. If you're a lost man, you have no safety. It is but by God's grace that you don't fall into hell right now if you don't trust Him as your personal Lord and Savior. Bottom line. There is no safety in this life. The safety comes in knowing Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. And too many people are sitting by the wayside just watching, letting the world pass them by, and letting the Christian life. 
when you get to heaven, you're not going to be disappointed by the effort that you put out. Except if your effort that you put out was less than your best. And too many of us are satisfied with less than our best when it comes to Christian things. When it comes to the things that God wants us, we're satisfied with less than what God really wants us to have. Because we're too busy chasing too many other things. Listen, I don't... The blessings of the Lord maketh rich, and he addeth no sorrow with it. I don't, I'm not sitting here saying we should all be poor, we shouldn't have nice things. I believe that God, if God gave you the ability to earn something, you should go out and earn it because you're supposed to be a steward of what God's given you. That comes with watching over your talents and watching what God's giving you and knowing yourself. And I'm, I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but that's, that, that's where we're fixing to get to. But you and I have a responsibility to develop the talents God's given you. We have a responsibility to be the best that God wants us to be to not let the gifts and talents of God fall by the wayside and not develop them. And too many Christians sit by the wayside and let the Christian life pass them by. Turn over to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. The third, the third wrong watch is what I call the wrecking watch. And that's of Saul over there in 1 Samuel 19. Saul's watching, watching for an opportunity to kill David. And there's too many times in our Christian lives that we watch, we, we are disappointed by the way somebody acts towards us and we watch for a way to kill them instead of for a way to help them. That's the wrong watch. Um, I'm gonna give, everything I'm going to give you now almost is Pauline the rest of the way through. But Paul in 2 Corinthians 6, 5 and 11, 27, Paul says in both of those verses, he says he's in watchings often. Well, Clearly, if Paul goes, he says, in perils and tribulations, in watchings, and then the other one, he, he, he goes through the, the watchings and the care of all the churches. Paul clearly sees watching as an activity, but in 1 Corinthians, I mean, 1 Thessalonians 5, verse number 6, it says, Therefore let us not sleep, as do others, but let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep, sleep in the night, and they that be drunken are drunken in the night. But let us, who are of the day, be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, for a helmet, the hope of salvation. The first thing I want to say in a sober watch here in 1 Thessalonians 5 is that we should self-examine ourselves. Your first thing to watch is your fellowship with Jesus Christ. Paul tells you there in verses 6, 7, and 8 about putting on the helmet of salvation. Well, you can't begin to help somebody else if you're not properly girded yourself. I know it's a silly illustration, but when you're on the airplane and they go through that whole thing about the deal dropping out of the ceiling, what do they tell you? They say to put the oxygen on yourself first before you help somebody else. Because if you can't breathe, you're not going to help anybody else breathe. Well, it's a, that's a great biblical pr principle. If you're not walking in fellowship, you can't help somebody else walk in fellowship. If you're not prepared for the battle, you're not going to be able to help somebody else prepare for the battle. And you and I have a personal responsibility to watch over ourselves and take stock of where our fellowship with is Jesus Christ. Um, turn over just a page or two to Colossians 4 as a part of this. He says, Masters, in verse 1, give unto your servants that which is just and equal, knowing that ye also have a master in heaven. Continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving. Our watching should be thankful. That's hard. Because we're not always thankful for the position God has us in. But it doesn't mean we shouldn't be thankful for it. 
there's a reason why God allows things to happen to us, and we may not know the reason for years on down the road. But I can stand here now and look back over my life and go, well, I didn't understand it then, but I know why God let that happen. I know why God let that happen. I know why God let that happen. Because I can look back and see it. And if we're not careful in our watching of what's happening in our life, we'll think that either God's left us, we'll think that God doesn't care about us, we'll get disgruntled, we'll get dissatisfied, we will feel in debt and we'll feel neglected and our, we'll stop watching what God called us on to watch and we'll begin to watch the wrong things. We'll begin to watch what the devil would have us to watch instead of watching what God would have us to watch. And you get discouraged. And then all of a sudden it's like, who cares? Turn on the ball game and let the world go, go by. And it's a scary thing. And it's not an easy thing. Nobody likes looking in the mirror and going, God, I'm fat. Nobody looks looking in the mirror and going, man, I'm out of shape. Nobody looks looking in the mirror and going, it's been a long time since I spent an hour on my knees with the Lord. It's been a long time since I spent an hour in my Bible. It's been a long time since I spent 15 minutes in my Bible. It's been a long time since I spent 15 minutes in prayer. It's been a long time since I passed out a track to somebody. It's been a long time since I've done anything to grow my fellowship with Jesus Christ. It means looking at yourself, and it's, it's always easier to look at everybody else and go, well, I could do this or do that or that, when the Lord's going, hey, sit down for a minute, let's talk, and you've got some things going on. Nobody likes going to the doctor and hearing, hey, you got high blood pressure. Hey, you need to do something about that, or you're going to die young. And we can make jokes about it, and you can, you know, I want to die young, make a pretty corpse, and all those kind of things. But, you know... The bottom line is there are other people that rely on you and need you, and if you're dead, you can't help them. And if you allow yourself to be taken out of the game early because you neglected what God called on you to neglect, I believe he says your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost, and we're supposed to take care of the temple that he resides in. So there's, there's an issue there that we, we have a requirement to do something about that. And we're supposed to watch for ourselves, we're supposed to examine ourselves, and we're supposed to be thankful where we're at. And then thankful where God can get us to. I've never found in my Christian life when I'm walking towards the Lord that I'm going backwards. Paul says, I, I press toward the mark. I'm reaching forth to those things that are ahead. He's not looking backwards. He's forgetting those things which are behind and he's pressing forward. He's watching for where he's going, not watching where he's been. And we have to continue to watch where we're going and move forward in our Christian lives. Turn over to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. You know this in verse, verses 12 through 17, which we just saw bits and pieces of it in 1 Thessalonians 5. Paul's given you the, the, whole, the whole armor of God. Look at what he says in verse 18. He says, Praying always with all prayer and supplication of the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. And then he says in 1 Corinthians 16, um, 1 Corinthians 16, verse 13, he says, Watch ye, stand fast in the faith, quit you like men, be strong. Let all your things be done with charity. I think we just heard a couple messages on charity, didn't we? So apparently watching and being charitable go hand in hand, because if I'm not watching for somebody else's need, how can I be charitable towards their need? If I can't see a need, I, I believe it was Brother Sam said this, I'm supposed to take care of what I can take care of myself, but be ready to help others at a moment's notice. 
I'm supposed to put myself in a position to where I don't need the help, but I'm ready to help others. Because if you're watching for yourself, you don't necessarily need the help. And if you've taken care of your, of your, deeds, if you've taken care of your needs at home, you're able to see the needs in other places. That's, that's a biblical principle here. Paul's, Paul says, making supplication for others. And then he goes on down into verse 18 and he says, making supplication for me that I may boldly preach the gospel. So you and I, if we're watching for ourselves, we're able to then begin to watch for others, which part of that others is watching for our pastor and praying for him and asking God to watch over him as he travels around the entire country and minister to other people so that God will put a hedge of protection around him and around his home so that he's able to continue what God wants him to do. And if you and I are, are watching and taking care of our home front, we don't necessarily need to have an extra guard dog watching over us all the time. We're able to watch each other while we're watching ourselves. And we have a responsibility to watch one another and help one another. There, there is this... Um, I'm all about personal responsibility and standing on, your two, on, on two feet. But I'm also completely aware that nobody gets through this life without getting help from somebody else. I'm not standing up here because Woodard Holland's been perfect in his Christian life for however many years I've been saved. I'm standing up here because a bunch of people have shown me the grace of God in my life and given me chance after chance after chance after chance. I, I mean, I, I thank God that I don't even think any of those things are recorded, but I, I can't imagine all the dumb things I've said in a pulpit in my life. And yet, preacher continues to give me an opportunity. And that's a help that I, I couldn't provide that help to myself. God hasn't called me to go pastor a church. He's called me to be faithful to this one, to preach when I give an opportunity to preach and teach when I give an opportunity to teach. But I'm not called to go pastor a church right now. I'm called to help the guy that's pastoring the church. Whatever he needs. If that means shoveling a hole, if that means building a building, whatever it means, I don't care what it means. But you and I have, if, if we're watching... We have an opportunity to see a need to be able to help somebody out. If you're watching around this church, you will see things that those of us that are, are supposed to be watching miss because you're watching and 500 eyes are better than two eyes. You see details that I don't see. I just confessed at the beginning of the message. I'm not a detail guy. I don't see that the toilet paper's empty until somebody comes and goes, what are the, the toilet paper's empty? No problem. I'll be glad to go get y'all a toilet paper you want, but like that's not at the number one thing on my list on Sunday morning to go around and check all the toilet paper holders. But if you need it, come ask me. I'm glad to supply the need, but like that's not at the top of my list. And But we should be able to watch for one another and go, hey, I saw, I saw so-and-so, I took care of it. We should be able to go, hey, I saw so-and-so and took care of it, not even need to tell anybody about it because it just was taken care of. And when we're watching for one another... And we're, we're watching for ourselves and watching for one another. Turn over to um, one last place, 2 Timothy chapter 4. That's not true. We've got a couple more places to turn to. I told you, I got it from Paul. He closed the message five times. 2 Timothy chapter 4. He says in verse number 5, But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, Make full proof of thy ministry, for I am now ready to be offered in the time of my departure is at hand. I fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness with the Lord. The righteous judge shall give me it that day, and not to me only, but, all, but to, unto all them that love is appearing. The right kind of watch has you looking for Jesus Christ. 
when you're looking for Jesus Christ, when you're looking for that blessed hope and glorious appearing, it will make you look at yourself and it will make you look at others to see what you can do to help others. Not in looking at others to condemn them or looking at others to go, oh, they're wrong about this, or wrong about that, but looking at others to go, you know what, maybe I, have a, maybe I could help in that position. Maybe I could do something there to, that would benefit them. When you begin to watch, not for your own selfish desires, but to watch because you truly care, and that watching, maybe you can't be as active and don't have the ability to be out and do things. You know what you can do? You can watch in prayer. He says, watch and pray, watch and pray. Turn over to Mark chapter 13. Mark chapter, uh, Luke 12, my bad, Luke 12. Luke 12, and then we'll go one more place. It says in verse 35, Luke 12, 35, Let your loins be girded about and your lights be burning. And ye yourselves like unto men that ye wait for the Lord, when he will return from the wedding, that when he cometh and knocketh, that they may open unto him immediately. Blessed are those servants whom the Lord, when he cometh, shall find watching. For verily I say unto you that he shall gird himself and make them sit down to meet and, and will come forth and serve them. And if he shall come in the second watch or come in the third watch and find them so, blessed are those servants. There's a blessing for watching the Lord, for paying attention. Turn over to Mark chapter 27 where we started. I mean, Matthew 27, where we started. Matthew 27, we read verse 36. He said, in sitting down, they watched him there. Now turn over to verse 54. It says, now when the centurion and they that were with him, watching Jesus, saw the earthquake and those things that were done, they feared greatly, saying, truly, this was the Son of God. The guys who sat down and watched Jesus came out with the right conclusion before it was done. Because they sat down and they watched him. And they watched his example. And they watched what he laid down. And they watched the way that he went down. And they said, truly, this was the Son of God. If you want to have an impact on the people around you and continue to grow as a Christian, you've got to watch him and you'll come out of the right response. And so I ask you tonight, what are you watching? Are you watching the right things? Are you watching what's convenient for you? Are you watching what's easy for you? Are you watching the things that other people are doing and go, well, at least I'm not like them? Or are you going, Lord, what do I need to change in my life? And maybe you don't need to change anything. Maybe you're right in the perfect will of God and everything's great. Well, are you watching out for other people? Are you going, Lord, what can I do? Is there somebody else? Is there a need somewhere I can supply? Is there something I can do to minister to somebody else? Or are you so caught up in everything you have going on that you can't see a need in somebody else's life? You don't have time to stop and go, well, I mean, I, I, I see brother so-and-so over there, and I, you know, I probably should talk to him, but it's just not a good time. It's never going to be a good time. It's never convenient to help people. It's never convenient to pull on the side of the road and help somebody change a tire. I'm not telling you to stop on the side of the road and change some stranger's tire. Don't go there. But what I'm saying is it's never going to be convenient to help people. But it doesn't mean that it's not the right thing. And you can't help if you're not watching. And the Lord said there in, in Luke 12 that if you're watching for him, that you'll be blessed. Because looking for that blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, when you're looking for him, it keeps your eyes on the right things. So I'll...
close with this. What are you watching tonight? Where are your eyes and what are you paying attention to? Let's close in prayer. Dear Lord, I just thank you for this opportunity to preach, God. I just thank you for the blessing of your word, Lord. I thank you for just how good you are to us, God. I thank you for a church that's open on a Wednesday night, Lord, that gives us a place to come to to open your word. God, I thank you for the messages that we heard. Lord, I pray for preacher now as he's away. God, I pray to allow him to continue to minister up there. And God, get something done. Lord, allow him to get something done to help the pastor up there and those people. And God, I pray you bring him back here safely to us, God. We need him here. God, continue to watch over him and watch over Miss Peacock and protect their home, Lord, and put a hedge of protection around and keep them safe. And God, we just pray for us as we go home tonight that you bring us back safely on Sunday. Lord, pray for the folks who couldn't be here, for the folks that are sick, or who the folks that are hurting, God, that you'd help them as well. And God, just thank you for this place and continue to watch over it. In Jesus Christ's name I pray.